Hey, sunny and Seattle friends, just dropping in to say hi and let you know that for the rest of August, while I'm on my road trip adventure in some more remote areas of Wyoming and Montana, we'll be airing several rebroadcasts of guests I was most honored to interview, like Neil Donald Walsh, Anita Morjani, and Martha Beck. These are oldies but goodies. Hope you enjoy them, and I'll see you again live in September. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, a very special show for you folks out there. We're having on the author, Conversations with God, Neil Donald Walsh. Today we'll be talking about book four, Awakening the Species, and discussing the newest revelations from God that highly involved beings are offering the human race help from other dimensions. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, attorney turned life coach, Sunny Joy McMillan. We are here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KK&W, bringing you amazing coaches, healers, authors, and teachers who are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch us live, you can always access the show archives at 1150kknw.com. You can also connect with me via Facebook. I am there by my name. And we also have a page for the show, which is Sunny in Seattle Radio, right there on Facebook. And there you can find links to our upcoming guests, see who's going to be on the show, any resources we mentioned. And I've got, I definitely do have one I want to mention to you guys today that is on the Sunny in Seattle Radio page. Um, and that is um, uh, the guest that I had on April 7th, Sarah Landon. Um, we continued our conversation with the council um, off air, and it was about an hour long. Um, so I hope to be playing some snippets from that for you guys in the near future. But it's a little I, longer than that, actually. actually was it? Oh. Yeah. Do a <laughs> yeah. little bit of trip work over there. Oh, dear. Sorry, Jenny. It was great no matter what. I'm just trying to <laughs> but, There was just so much. You even went yeah. past your recording time. So. Yeah, so uh-huh. usually this stuff is, um, I, my gosh, it was it was an awesome conversation. Yeah, so hop on over to Sunny in Seattle Radio on Facebook, and you will get a link to a little bit over an hour-long recording of me doing Q&A with the council, of course, the energetic uh, presence that Sarah channels, who I, I've just fallen in love with. Um, so you can check that out there. Um, you can also find out more about me and my coaching practice by going to goldenoversoul.com. That's my website, and you can come see me for coaching in the U District. And then I also wanted to mention, this is a little bit um, random for our show, but I have to mention it to you guys because my awesome aunt here in town, um, she is one of the original lady bosses. She started a company with um, an 18-wheeler filled full of chili pods. So for those of you who cook out there, you know, little, um, you know, like chilies you would use in cooking. I don't think I knew this. Okay. So yes. So she started with just that. And now it's like this multi-million dollar awesome business. Like she is just a mentor. Huh. She is, she is, she's awesome. She's cool. a firecracker. So they're having their annual oh, spice I get fire. ladies. I saw you yeah. put fire in there with chili. <laughs> right. Good job. I, saw, I caught that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so they're having their annual sale down in Sumner. So if you're in Sumner and you like to cook and you want to get some of the best premium spices and rubs out there, um, and this, this particular company, um, S.A. Milligan, um, which stands for Shelly uh, A. Milligan, uh, my aunt, um, she... Um, will be well she provides spices and rubs to all of the restaurants around town and so you may be already familiar with her food or her spices and not even know it so if you like to cook you're in the Sumner area this weekend you should stop by today Friday tomorrow Saturday and they're going to be doing this awesome spice sale so you can buy premium spices at a super super discount and you can check out her awesome facility so just go to spice-ladies.com that's spice-ladies.com, and you can check it out. So I had to do a little plug for that because she's been such an inspiration I'm for me. I'm trying to write as fast as I can. <laughs> well, only because it's the summer coming up, and everyone's yeah. going to be cooking more outdoors. Yeah. And so this is the time to get prepared and yeah. stay ahead of the game yeah. with, with your spices. And they're also going to have a bunch of local wholesalers like Penny Salsa and hey. Drizzledee's Hot and Spicy sun, uh, hot there. and spicy Honey, El Gaucho Seasonings. Like It's, it's going to be awesome. So... Give uh, Shelly a plug there for the Spice Ladies sale. Okay, so without further ado. Yeah, tell them Sunny sent you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, um, I cannot wait to get to our guest today. Um, of course, we've been looking forward to this for months here. Um, Neil Donald Walsh. Oh, my gosh, you guys. 
He is the author of nine books in the Conversations with God series, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with and have dog-eared in your bookcase at home. Um, These books have sold over 10 million copies in 37 languages. Neil is one of the major authors in the new spirituality movement, having written 29 books with eight books on the New York Times bestseller list. His life and work have helped create and sustain a worldwide spiritual renaissance, and he travels globally to bring the uplifting message of the Conversations with God books to people everywhere. He has been called a modern-day spiritual messenger and has reported having an experience in which he felt the presence of the divine after writing an angry letter to God on a yellow legal pad and receiving answers in a process that he describes as exactly like taking dictation. That was over 20 years ago. And what emerged was the nine-part Conversations with God series, which has been published in every major language in the world. Mr. Walsh has also told his readers and the media, which has brought global attention to his experience, that he was told that God talks to everyone all the time and that the question is not, to whom does God talk? But rather, the question is, who listens? He says his whole life has been changed as a result of his own decision to listen. He took notes on the questions in his heart and the answers he was receiving so that he would always remember his exchanges with deity. It wasn't until later that he realized he was being invited to place these words into the world as one of many throughout history who have made their very best effort to hear and to articulate God's message. And I'm so glad (laughs) he did put that out into the world. I'm sure millions of others are as well. And because he knows that everyone is receiving God's messages, he invites all people everywhere to both share them and live them as best they can. For Neil believes the world would change overnight if only a fraction of its people embraced what he was told is God's most important message. You've got me all wrong. Uh, You can find out more by going to his website, neildonaldwalsh.com, neildonaldwalsh.com. And the latest book, which was unexpected and apparently is the final dialogue in the Conversations with God series, book four, Awaken the Species. How is that for a title? (laughs) You can find it at his website, neildonaldwalsh.com, amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere books are sold, really. So, Neil, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Well, thank you, Sunny. That was a very sweet and generous introduction, and I appreciate those kind words, and I even more appreciate the fact that I have a chance to be here with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, absolutely. We are honored here in Seattle to be able to talk to you about this latest book, which was just released a little over a month ago, so it is brand new. Um, So I think, you know, as I mentioned, most of our listening audience, I believe, is familiar with your work, but Perhaps for those who aren't, could you just share a little bit about where you were in your life 20 years ago when you wrote that initial angry letter and what opened the dialogue, which ultimately became this Conversation with God series that has sold over now 10 million copies, 37 languages? Well, yes, you know, uh, I, I, I had reached a point in my life that many people uh, on the planet have reached in their lives. I was, nothing was working, my, my uh, relationship with my significant other was had fallen apart. My career had reached a total dead end. Even my health was going rapidly downhill. And then finally, to, to add insult to injury, uh, I broke my neck in a car accident. Uh, and uh, I really, the doctors said, you know, people who have a broken neck, this was not a hairline fracture. This was a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seventh cervical vertebrae posteriorly. In other words, the break was large enough you could put a pencil through it. It was a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture. So the doctors said to me, you know, you, you should have died. I mean, we don't want to be direct with you, but people who have that kind of a neck injury generally die, or at the very least, they're paralyzed for the rest of their lives. I suffered neither of those outcomes. Here I am, and I'm not paralyzed. I just, it was a miracle, the doctors said, one in a million. Uh, and so I, I felt like I'd been given a new lease on life, even though everything in my life was going wrong at that point. Uh, but, but I got back into the workaday world, you know. I was, but I was wearing a Philadelphia collar. You see, I was wearing a therapeutic collar for two years because I, it did take two years of therapy to get my neck muscles and, and my body back into back into alignment. So I had to go through a lot of therapy, and I, and I couldn't I couldn't do very much. Because I was walking around in this uh, in this brace, this neck brace, this collar, I, I couldn't find really the kind of work that I needed to find to earn a living. Ultimately, I wound up living on the sidewalk. I wound up being a street person for a year of my life. Among the other adventures that I've had in my experience, I was outside on the road 
for a year. And then I finally did get a job back in, in my life, and I, and I found myself um, working again, making a little bit of money and enough to survive. I was all by myself, of course. I had no, no, no longer had a relationship with another. Uh, but I was so uh, upset and angry with the way life had been treating me. I was 50 years old. I thought, gosh, half a century on the earth, and here I am starting over again in a small bachelor apartment with one room. And I mean, I, not that there was anything wrong with that. It just, I just felt like I would be further along in the game at the age of 50. So I woke up one night at, at 4.23 in the morning, and I just wrote an angry letter to God. What does it take to make life work? And what have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? And please, you know, could you just give me the rule book? Somebody just tell me the rules. I'll play. I promise I'll play. Just give me the rule book. <laughs> and, and after you give me the book, don't change the rules, because I felt that the rules were changing all, all the time as well. So I, I, I was just writing this angry letter at 4.20 in the morning uh, for, for no apparent reason, just, you know, just how you do sometimes, just, just writing a letter on a yellow legal pad. But I suddenly heard a voice uh, behind me, off to the right of my, uh, over my right shoulder, and I thought someone had snuck into the house. So there was a, a, a actual, audible voice in the room. Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions, Ooh. or are you just venting? Of course, I whipped around. There was no one there, and I thought, oh, terrific! Not only am I out of my mind with anger, now I'm going crazy, thinking, <laughs> hallucinating. But, but at the same time, in that very next moment, I felt a sense of over, overwhelming calm, peace, serenity. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to describe it. I just felt so complete and whole and so moved away from any sense of anger, anxiety, frustration, annoyance, negativity of any kind. My body was just like overtaken with just this sense of in, inward bliss is all I can put it. And then I began hearing that same voice inside of my mind, if you please. It was a voiceless voice. I've been asked many times. Was it male? Was it female? Was it this? Was it that? Actually, it was kind of like the voice of one's own thoughts, a voiceless voice. Huh. But but it was, and, and so I said, you know, I really would like, if, you know, if you've got answers, I'd, I'd be happy to, 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 to have them. And I, with that, I received what I can only describe as a download, just a verbal download of, of a slew of thoughts, a pile of thoughts all at one time. I began writing as rapid, rapidly as I could on the yellow legal pad that I had in, in front of me. And, uh, of course, what I was hearing in my mind was bringing me other questions. I would, I would, I would stop this flow of thoughts and say to myself, you know, I, I don't understand. What about this? How can that be true? This doesn't seem that, that it makes any sense. And I, would, I was questioning what I was imagining myself to be receiving. And then I received the, the instruction, well, don't just, don't just think these, but write them down. I'll give you answers to any questions you have. So I wrote down the questions I had. I received immediate answers. Before I knew it, I was involved, in fact, in a non-paper dialogue, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. You know something, Sonny, I never dreamt in a million years, in a gazillion years, that anyone would ever see this. It was a private process. It was a middle-of-the-night personal journaling process, never intended to be read by anyone, certainly never intended to be a book. But somewhere, uh, it, this went on, by the way, for days and days and days. Every, every night I would be awakened around 4.15 or so in the morning, and I would get back. It was the best part of the day for me because there were no interruptions, no phone calls, nothing else going on. So it worked for me in my flow, and I wound up every morning getting up around between 4 and 4.30 in the morning, continuing this dialogue for an hour or two before I got on with my day. Pretty soon I had many, many, many pages. I'm talking you know, six or eight or ten tablets, the yellow legal pads, filled with back-and-forth questions, handwritten. And finally, I was given this information. The following statement was made to me. Neil, this will one day become a book. Mm. And you know what, Sonny? I thought to myself, well, now, wait a minute. That's the only thing that I have received that is measurable. It's a measurable outcome. Everything else was conceptual, theoretical in nature, mythological, spiritual for sure, but but nothing that you could measure, nothing you could determine, is it true or is it not? But here was a statement that was made, this will one day become a book, and of course I'm, I'm a man of the world here, I, I understood perfectly well that no, no publisher was going to publish a book by an unheard of, totally unpublished author who claims to be talking to God. I don't think so. So I thought, well, the odds of that happening are one in a gazillion. With that, I decided 
decided to send the handwritten material off to a friend of mine that I had made who was a, happened to be a stenographer. And she, I said, would you be willing to type these pages up for me? I'll, 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 I don't have a great deal of money, but I'll give you a little bit of money if you, know, if you could just do it in your spare time. She said, oh, Neil, I'd be happy to. And so she did. Well, she called me about four days later and said, what is this stuff? What are you, what are you writing? What are, I can't, my whole life's changing out of what I'm typing here. I said, well, I, you know, can you continue doing it? I'll pay you as much as I can. She said, I don't want to be paid. I don't, I don't want to. I, I'll, I'll do this for free. Just keep sending me this stuff. Oh, wow. So I kept on you know, with my process. I sent her the material, and before we knew it, we had enough material to send to a publisher. And I thought, well, we'll see now. Now we'll see. And I sent it to five publishers, one of whom actually put it out. And the rest, as they say, is publishing history. He called me and he said, we love this material. This is really extraordinary. We're going to publish it. It was a small publisher on the East Coast. It wasn't a major publisher, but, but they had been putting out, whatever, six or eight or ten books a year, a small, small print publishing company, Hampton Roads in, in Hampton Roads, Virginia. But they put the book out, and it shot, shot to the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> Well, it stayed for 137 weeks. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, or 157, I've lost track, frankly, but it was on, on the bestseller list, on the New York Times list, for over two and a half years consecutively without dropping off the list. And it wound up selling millions of copies. And it was published, uh, I should say, translated into 37 languages. I'm not bragging about that. I'm really not boasting. I'm just noticing, oh my gosh, what hath God wrought? What's, what's going on here? What is this? So I realized after millions of people began reading it, and then the, the publishers started calling me, the major publishers in New York, you know, w- what would it take for you to send us you know, your next book? And I said, well, I you know, hadn't even thought of writing a series of books. I mean, I, but, of course, I was still having the experience at home, so I thought, well, if you're interested in the rest, you know, the material that continues to come through, I can send you some. And before we knew it, we had gotten into a series of books because the process continues to this very day. And uh, the latest of those books was called Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species. And that's the long and the short of it. Sorry to take so much time, but no. you asked me for my background. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. And that takes us right into our first break, so that when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Neil Donald Walsh about the latest book in the Conversations with God series, as he mentioned, Book 4, Awaken the Species, uh, which was unexpected and uh, perhaps the final in the series, and we'll have him tell us a little bit more about that and what is involved in awakening our species. You are listening to Sunny in Seattle, and we'll be back in just a few. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. In 1867, after several days of rain, the Tennessee River surged over its banks and water rushed into Chattanooga, Tennessee. The devastating flood remains the worst in the river's history since record-keeping began. But Lisa Davis of the University of Alabama is digging in the dirt and finding evidence of even larger floods in the more distant past. When floodwaters recede, they leave behind minerals. And so we search for these deposits and we date them and we build a chronology of events. And in some cases, we're actually able to reconstruct what the height or the size of the flood was. At their research site in northern Alabama, her team has found evidence of several Tennessee River floods larger than the flood of 1867, and she says such events could happen again. As the climate warms, extreme rainfall is growing more common in the Tennessee River Valley. So Davis says it's important for planners to understand what they could be up against in the future. That information can be used to figure out whether or not dams have been adequately designed. Has anything happened that's bigger than what they have imagined? Not just in the past two centuries, but over millennia. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Thanks for tuning in. Up next is an encore presentation of Sunny in Seattle. Sunny decided to take some day off for a little bit of R&R, and we're going to bring to you a show she did back in 2017 with an amazing author, Neil Donald Walsh, who's all about the Conversations with God series. Enjoy. 
And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, and we have to send Benny a little thank you. That's this country music we don't normally play around here, but it takes me back to Texas. I just got to step roots. out of my realm a little bit. You <laughs> yeah. know, Neil kind of brings that out of me. So, yeah, yeah. I've got to do that. I know, a little, little nod to my Texas heritage, too. <laughs> so, we are here today with Neil Donald Walsh, of course, the author of the Amazing Conversations with God series. Uh, we have um, right here with us, it's a, actually, I would just want to see where. Um, so Benny can hold it up yeah, yeah. if you want to. Yeah, I'll do it. It's a beautiful book. The latest one, book four, Awaken the Species. Um, I just love it. Uh, so this book, Neil, oh, thanks, Benny. Um, this book was a bit unexpected. It's been 18 years um, since book three came out. So tell us about how this, this came about. Well, it, it, it was around 4.13 in the morning that I was awakened out of, out of a dead sleep in the middle of the night. And suddenly I found myself wide awake, you know, my eyes shot open. I'm looking at the ceiling in the dark and thinking, what's going on? You know, well, why am I waking up? And then I realized this was an old familiar feeling. Oh, wow, this is how it used to feel yeah. years and years ago when I would have that urge, that sense that something needed to come through. I don't mean just an idea or a thought or a single sentence or a little message, you know, from one's subconscious or from the divine. I mean, a, a book length kind of a, a, a bring through. And I felt that. I felt that pregnant feeling, so so to speak. And I thought, well, okay, let's see what's going on. And I, 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 I turned on the light to look at the clock. And it was, in fact, at that point, 4.15 or 4.17. I thought, well, of course, perfect. I'm always awakened between 4.15 and 4.30 in the morning, more or less. And, and this is that old feeling that I had 20 years ago. So I threw back the covers, went to my computer, and I said, you know, I started typing first thing that came to my mind, which was just a, you know, a conversation. I said, you know, I thought, I thought these days were over. Not that I don't routinely receive communications back and forth from the divine as part of my life, as does everyone, by the way, a point you made in your introduction. Thank you for saying that. The main point of conversations with God is that we're all having conversations with God all the time. We're simply calling it something else, women's intuition, uh, uh, an epiphany, a brilliant idea, whatever. So, but but my my conversations were not normally book length exchanges. I knew. So I thought. I said. I said in my opening line. I said. I thought. I thought these book length exchanges were done. And she said, No, 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 no. We, we, it's it's been a while, but there's one more invitation I want you to send to the world. The first two invitations that I was invited to send to the world were in the first books, change the world's mind about God. Mm-hmm. and give people back to themselves. That is, remind them of who they really are and of their true nature as individuations of the divine. But here was a third invitation, and the invitation was awaken the species. And I thought, gosh, you know, what? wow, what mm-hmm. an invitation. What, what are we talking about here? God said, well, you know, the world has gotten to a place now where it's time. In fact, it's the perfect time for the advancement of our species because everything is falling apart all over the world. All the things you've put into place are not working. Your political system is not working around the world. Neither is the worldwide economic system, the environmental systems, the social systems, even the spiritual systems that you call your religions are not working. Nothing is working to produce the outcome for which they were intended, which is a better life for all of us. In fact, it's worse. They've actually produced the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, it, but this is perfect because it creates a contextual feel that is the opposite of what you wish to experience is now being placed before you so that you can see right in front of your eyes what the options are, what the possibilities are, what, is, what the actualities are, what's actually happening, and give yourself as a species, as individuals and as a collective, the opportunity to recreate yourself anew in the next grandest version the greatest vision ever you held about who you are, rather than what you're now doing, which is the dismantling, uh, the overhaul of humanity. You're, you're taking the whole thing apart. So I, I thought, okay, fair enough, I'm here. I didn't expect to, to have another book-length conversation like this, but let's go. So we did every day for about three and a half, maybe four weeks. In four weeks' time, a book-length conversation had been completed, and I simply sent it to a publisher, and I said, would you? Would you be interested in putting this out? Uh, and the book was published a few weeks ago. Yes. And one of the most fascinating aspects of this book, and I am just going to quote here, that God suggests we look to, quote, those who are not on earth, who know all about life on earth, but are not from earth. 
we're to look to those highly evolved beings, or HEBs as you call them, um, to help in awakening our species. So let's just dive right in. What are these highly evolved beings that are referred to throughout the book? Let me just back up if I can a half step yeah. and make, make it clear that I think it's no longer controversial. Uh, it might have been 50 or 100 years ago or even 25 years ago, but these days most of us can pretty much assume that, yes, obviously we are not the only intelligent species in the cosmos. Yes. Uh, in fact, a physicist uh, recently informed us that our universe, it turns out, is not a universe in the sense of it being the only one. It turns out, physicists tell us, that our universe is only one of a universe of universes, <laughs> if you please. And so it turns out uh, that the cosmos is much larger than we thought it was, even though we thought that the universe itself was unfathomably large. Now it's even more than that, 10 times 10 times 10 times 10, that size. We are just a, an infinite, minuscule part of the overall physical reality yes. uh, of the multiverse. So with that as a backdrop, uh, it becomes now pretty clear that we, the odds of us being the only intelligent species in the cosmos are one in a gazillion. In fact, there are other intelligent species. And uh, what I was told in this latest conversation, and the reason for the conversation was to inform me that highly evolved beings, which I, as you mentioned, have abbreviated throughout the book as HEBs, H-E-Bs, highly evolved beings from another dimension are, in fact, uh, serving both the people of Earth and sentient beings, youthful, if I could put it that way, emerging sentient beings around the cosmos, in their evolutionary process, so that we are being given help, clear and present help in many forms, in the form of inspiring ideas, vibrational frequencies that are sent to us that, that move us in particular directions, as well as, every so often, once every several thousand years, even a highly evolved being might move into physicality here on the Earth, from experiencing an entire lifetime from birth to death, uh, coming into physicality as a, as a baby, as a newborn child, uh, in utero, actually, and, uh, and then being born and, and living through life. And the purpose of that, the purpose of their visiting the planet and becoming physical human beings, is to integrate in the, uh, in the civilization as humans, but to model, to model in physical form what it means to live the life of, of, a, of an entity who's fully awakened. The point of the book is that we are very young. That is, the human species is extraordinarily young, given the age of the cosmos. Yes. We're just like one second old <laughs> relative to the age of the cosmos. So we are emerging just now into our sense of who we really are and what is the true purpose of life and what is this really all about that's going on here. Yes. So that, that's the backdrop of what was... And then, and then, of course, in the book I ask God all kinds of questions, metaphysical questions, physical questions, philosophical questions, about these highly evolved beings. And my most uh, important question, I thought, was, what is the difference between how an awakened species, how a highly evolved being behaves, and how human beings behave? And God said, well, I can give you a list of them if you want. Yeah, there are 16 characteristics in there to be. Yeah, yeah. So, so she did. She gave me a list of, of 16 differences between an awakened species and humans who are living in an unawakened state. That alone it's worth the price of admission, if they say. <laughs> the whole book might as well, could have been just that. And that, that gives us an outline uh, of what it would be like if we all on the earth lived as if we were highly evolved. Yes. And, and for our listeners out there, um, can you give us maybe some of the highlights or the ones that stand out to you that you think might be most important for our listeners to hear so they get a taste of this? Sure, I'd, I'd love to. I, I can give you three or four of them. Yeah. An, an awakened species, we are told sees the unity of all of life and lives into it. Humans in an unawakened state often deny it or ignore it. That is, we have adopted and, and embraced a notion of separateness yes. uh, uh, as a, an understanding, as a cosmology of all of life. We're separate from life in, in the sense that we are observing it. We're separate from God. For those of us who even believe in God, we think that God is somewhere up there and we're down here. We're separate from each other. And in some interesting way, we're even separate from ourselves in certain ways. So we, we imagine that everything is separate from everything else, and highly evolved beings know that exactly the opposite is true, that there is only one thing, and that all things are part of the one thing there is. Yes. Uh, another difference is that awakened species tells the truth, always. 
Humans in an unawakened state too often lie, both to themselves as well as to others. A third difference is that an awakened species says one thing and will do what they say. Humans in an unawakened state often say one thing and do another. And then here's what I think is one of the most intriguing ones, the fourth one that I'll share with you. This is very intriguing. An awakened species, having seen and acknowledged what is so, will always do what works. Hmm. Humans in an unawakened state often do exactly the opposite. I asked God, well, could you explain that to me? Could you tell me how, what, what you mean by that? And God said, sure. You guys, meaning earthlings, <laughs> human, you guys see exactly what works. You see what's so, but it doesn't matter to you. You do the opposite anyway. For instance, if your objective is to live a life of peace, joy, and love, violence does not work. That has already been demonstrated. Nevertheless, you use violence. If your objective is to live a life of good health and great longevity, consuming dead flesh daily, smoking known carcinogens continuously, and drinking gallons of nerve-deadening, brain-frying liquids regularly does not work. This has already been demonstrated, but we do it anyway. And here's one of the most important ones. If your objective is to raise offspring free of violence and rage, Placing them in front of vivid depictions of violence and rage during their most impressionable years does not work. <laughs> this has already been demonstrated, but we do it anyway. Yeah. We put them in front of movies, video games, television programs, even cartoons where everybody's bonking everybody else on the head. We even give them toys and send them out in the backyard and play with toy guns that make sounds like real machine guns. And then when a seven- or a nine-year-old actually does something violent, terribly violent to a brother or sister, we say... Where could they have gotten such an idea? Why, why would they behave that way? And we don't even acknowledge our own culpability in the matter. Right. These, these are just some. I could give you a whole list of yeah. ways that we see what works, and we do exactly the opposite. It's craziness. If our objective, just to give you one more, if our objective is to discover and cultivate a relationship with a loving deity so that religion can make a difference in the affairs of humans, a positive difference, then teaching of a God of righteousness, punishment, and terrible retribution does not work. No. We will use that model of a God as justification for killing each other in God's name. Can we stop the killing in God's name? <laughs> yeah. And so this leads to my next question. These characteristics, the differences between an awakened versus an unawakened species— so we're at, it seems, a crisis point, as you mentioned, ecologically, politically, socially, all of the above. And now having had this conversation, do you think that we're going to make use of the help of the highly evolved beings? Do you think it's too late or do we have hope? Yes, I think there's great hope because I think the human species is losing patience with itself. We are seeing on an almost daily basis now, we're having this huge global tisk-tisk. I, I call it the moment of tisk-tisk. <laughs> where we're all going, really? I mean, really? And, and we're seeing that in larger and larger numbers on an almost daily basis. And we are discovering that, you know what? Because I, I said to God, how can I awaken the species if I'm not even awakened myself? And God said, oh, no, 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 no. You already are awake. You simply don't know it. Yes. I said, wait a minute. How can I be awake and not know it? God said, oh, that's very simple. I can give you a simple example out of your daily life. Have you never found yourself in the middle of the night and you hear a thump in the middle of the night and you think it's part of your dream? And then somewhere in the, in the midst of it, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that wasn't part of my dream. That, that actually happened. I heard that in my waking state. The cat must have knocked a vase over or something downstairs. What happened here? What is it? And you realize you've been awake all along. I said, yes, of course, we've all had an experience like that where we think we're dreaming and we find out we're awake. God said, there you are. There you are. And right now, the human race imagine itself to be still still in its deep slumber, but the fact is you're already awake, and all you have to do now is begin to act like it. You're starting to do that. You're beginning to take up the challenge. You're beginning to self-select. That is, to select yourself to be one of those who chooses to amplify, to model, to exemplify, to become one of those who models behaviors rather than waiting for the next guru to come along to do it, rather than waiting for the next spiritual master to come along to do it, you are now deciding that you are going to be one of those who's going to do the best you can at exemplifying what it means to be a highly evolved, totally awake person. And that snowball effect, that's going to create a domino effect where the dominoes begin to fall. And soon, in fact, you will create the paradise on earth for which you've long yearned.
happen in the next two or three days or in the next two mm-hmm. or three weeks or the next two or three months. It's going to be a little bit of a, a period of time, but it's beginning now. And yes, I think there's great hope for humanity as we begin to see the forces that would work in the opposite direction, placing before us examples of exactly how we do not want to be. Yes. And you mentioned um, the self-selection, and I just want to point out for our listeners out there, there is a wonderful way, if you're raising your hand at home going, I want to be one of the ones who remembers that I am awake. I want to be one of the the leaders who will be a way-shower for what to do to awaken the species. There is a wonderful website that Neil has created, IHaveSelfSelected.com. I have selfselected.com. You can go there and it will connect you with the global community, I think is the way Neil put it when we were off air. It's like Facebook for spiritual people who want to awaken the species. Um, so I would encourage you guys, if you want to hop on over there, you can find out more. Um, anything else you want to add on that before we go to our final break, Neil? You said it all perfectly. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Well, on that note, we will take our final break. You are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am here today speaking with Neil Donald Walsh about the latest book in the Conversations with God series, Book 4, Awaken the Species, and we'll be back in just a few. Hey, Sunny and Seattle friends. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that the greatest gifts and synchronicities of my life happened when I started listening to the voice of my soul and let it take the lead. But in a crazy culture and a chaotic world, it can often be difficult to hear that soul voice. And we forget just how powerful that spiritual being inside you really is, which is why I created Soul Digger, a membership community for women and those who identify as women who want to live a soul-driven life. We meet virtually to learn, connect, share, grow, and inspire one another on our spiritual journey. Find out more at my website, goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And click on the tab that says, Work With Me. So come get shamelessly spiritual with us in the Soul Digger community, where we mine the true gold that comes from your soul. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. Two rivers run through Elkhart, Indiana, and in 2018, heavy storms caused record-breaking floods. The damage was extensive. We had FEMA come in, of course. I think that was kind of the wake-up call for a lot of the people in the city and the administration itself saying, we need to prevent this from happening again in the future. Jamison Zarnecki is director of the Elkhart Environmental Center. He says to hold more water during heavy rain, the city has been updating its combined sewer and stormwater system, and it has continued an effort that began in the 90s, buying out property owners who live in the floodplain. We have a trail called the River Greenway, and it's a 120-acre greenway system that we purchased a lot of the homes from and then removed those homes and then turned it back into a riparian zone to prevent some of that flooding. He says residents can also help by keeping stormwater grates clear and planting trees and rain gardens that absorb rain. We do a variety of programming throughout the year with rain barrels, discussing how people can make their lawns more habitat-friendly, more preventative for flooding. So as Elkhart experiences more heavy rain, residents can stay safe and dry. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Hey, Sunny and Seattle friends. Just dropping in to say hi and let you know that for the rest of August, while I'm on my road trip adventure in some more remote areas of Wyoming and Montana, we'll be airing several rebroadcasts of guests I was most honored to interview, like Neil Donald Walsh, Anita Morjani, and Martha Beck. These are oldies but goodies. Hope you enjoy them, and I'll see you again live in September. And 
welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, here today with author Neil Donald Walsh discussing his latest book in the Conversations with God series, book four, Awaken the Species. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about some of the characteristics of an awakened species versus an unawakened species. And uh, us earthlings being a very young species, we definitely, um, I think, want to make use of the assistance that these highly evolved beings are apparently offering us. And I'm just curious, Neil, for us day to day, how can we make use of this assistance um, to to help awaken? Well, uh, by first sharing our process with others, share openly and authentically with those whose lives you touch, both your struggles and your progress on the path to full awakening, because this is what helps others to see themselves in the place of possibility rather than like, oh, I could never do that. So the, the first thing we can do is to share uh, the process that we're moving through our, ourselves. Then um, I would say create a reason. That the challenges uh, of the path that you have chosen may on more than one day hardly seem worth confronting unless you accord them a greater meaning than the simple triumph over them. The question must be asked, why? Why Why bother? Why bother? Then your answer must be given uh, to you, to yourself. And I can tell you that your path is not without purpose in the heavens for every soul which would grow to know of its experience, what it has always understood in the awareness, serves not only its own agenda, but the superconscious will of the collective. You serve the entire collective. When you know what it is you're doing and why you're doing it, your life will change, and you'll have much more fortitude, much more stamina, if I could put it that way, much more courage as you move down this path. Then I would give you another tool, since you asked, express gratitude. This is the most powerful tool you could be given. Gratitude can be a selected energy, not merely an automatic response when one actively chooses to be grateful for everything presenting itself in one's life. And by the way, I do mean everything. It sets up an energetic signature that washes over and impacts the energy of whatever is now arising. This can transform the presentation itself to say nothing of one's entire life. There are other tools I could give you. Actually, the book lists seven tools of integration, seven ways uh, that you can use the information that, that appears in the front of the book uh, in, uh, and uh, apply them, have them become functional and applicable uh, in your daily life. Yes, and, and I want to ask you just a, a follow-up question to that, and I, I would like to quote from the book here. Um, so this is what all those who have self-identified as choosing to assist in the awakening of your species are going to be doing. They will be following the impulse of their soul in every moment, and they will be encouraging others to do so, even as they seek to model how it is done. And I'm curious, you know, in your opinion, what is this going to look like in our human lives when we actually embrace this? Are we, are we leaving behind crummy jobs, stagnant relationships, and just allowing divine flow to guide our lives? Or how, do, how will that look? Well, all of the above, all that you've just said, mm -hmm. we will, in fact, find ourselves doing that. I did that 30 years ago. I, I actually left a really great job. I was earning quite a bit of money, frankly, and I had a really high-level job. Uh, in a major government organization. I had, and I was set for life because I was, in fact, working for the government, which you can hardly, hardly get fired from. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's difficult to lose a job in civil service unless you're really bad. So I had, I had it made, frankly, and I was at the top level of the organization I was working for. But I, you know, I finally, at the age of 35, I guess I was around 38, somewhere in there, I just said, you know what, I can't do this. I can't do this for the next 30 years of my life until I'm 65 and then retire. I've got to find a way to bring meaning to my life. So I, le I left it. I followed the urging of my soul and I, the calling of my soul, if I could put it that way, to be who I really am. And I just walked out of that place. I gave him 30 days' notice after being there. I was a 10-year man. I'd been there 10 years. And the personnel officer, I can recall to this day, looked at me and said, man, you've got 10 years in. You, you just passed the 10-year mark. Why do you want to leave now? You've got a lot of seniority here, and you're at the top of your game. What are you do? Are you sure you know what you're doing to yourself? He had been there about 35 years. He was about to retire. He was an old-timer, and I looked at him, and I said, you know what? I can't do this. I can't wake up when I'm 65 and you know, and retire as a government employee. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I don't want to make a judgment about people who do that. I'm just saying it wasn't enough for me. Right. My soul said, wait a minute. There's a larger game to play here. There's more that, that can happen. So the answer to your question is all of the above. We might leave stagnant relationships or at least at least alter and change them dramatically so they no longer are stagnant right. by altering and changing ourselves rather than trying to alter and change the other person across the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and we, we might, in fact, as well shift careers or 
alter our own career such that it is more in alignment with uh, the agenda of the soul. Let me tell you a, a magic question that I ask myself in front of every major decision in my life. And even now, I even use it in front of some of the minor decisions. Should I go to that dinner party? Should I go see that motion picture? Should I pick up this book and read this book? Even, all, even the minor decisions, I now use what I call the magic question. Here's the magic question that I place before every decision, big and small, in my life. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? And what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? And this, and this. As I reach into the refrigerator, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Why am I grabbing this cheesecake? Wow. When I get on the telephone to talk to a person named Sonny on the radio program in Seattle, and what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? When I stop at a stoplight and somebody you know, gives me a little gesture with their <laughs> finger, and, and, and I'm not really um, understanding why that happened. I almost want to return the gesture. My mind says, and what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Is this event, in fact, being placed in my life? Has it been co-created by us that I might know and demonstrate, announce and declare, become and experience who I really am? So that magic question, whether it's in front of a, a, a decision of my career, a decision on my relationship, or a decision on what shirt I should wear, what blouse I'm going to put on before I go out for the evening. I put that question in front of everything. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Suddenly, life is lived at a whole different level, and I can't tell you the difference that can make. Absolutely. I, I, that question gives me pause, and I'm, I will be applying that in my life as I move forward. Um, so going into the final segment of our show here, we've got just a few minutes left. I want to make sure people know how to get in contact uh, with you, with the book, with your work. So the best way would be uh, Neil's website, which is neildonaldwalsh.com. That wouldn't really be the best oh, way. Oh, that, that's not the best way. Okay. Uh, uh, that's one way, but yeah. people don't even know how to spell my name. Actually, the best way, I've set up a separate website that gives them direct access to me. People can, can go there. It's called CWG, which, of course, is Conversations with God cwgconnect.com. For people who want to stay connected with this material and this information, cwgconnect.com. When they go there, they'll find a, a platform called Ask Neil, where they can interact with me in real time on a daily basis. Yes, and I also want to mention, um, for those of you in and around the Seattle, uh, Oregon area, um, you will be doing an event, uh, The Homecoming, Wednesday, July 12th through Sunday, July 16th in Ashland, Oregon. Is that correct? It's sold out. Oh dear! But we're, but we're doing it, we're doing another one in October. And anyone who wants more information about any of that, just go to cwgconnect.com and say, Neil, in, uh, we're here in the Northwest, in the Great Northwest of the USA. When we, will you be doing events here? And I'll send you all the information you could possibly ask for. Not because I'm trying to get people to come. But the truth is, I don't. I've gone past to be direct and be very frank with you. Gone past the need to look for huge audiences or major ticket sales. It's not about that. Yeah. My whole life, my whole life is now directed to one mission, share with as many people as possible, as rapidly as I can, the information that has touched millions of lives in a positive way. Yes, and, and so with this final addition to the Conversations with God series, um, are you sure it's final? Is that, is that the intent at this point? I've stopped being sure of anything. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I've uh, learned to go with the flow. In my, it feels to me like this is the final book-length uh, conversation. But yeah. you know what? I don't need it to be one way or the other. I'm going with the flow now. I'm 73 years old. I've just uh, I've just gone through a quintuple bypass open-heart surgery, which I wasn't even sure I was going to survive. Yeah. Here I am on the other side of that, and guess what? Every day is a new adventure, and I allow it to be exactly what it is. Yeah. And so with this addition to the Conversations with God series, of course, we're talking about book four, Awaken the Species. Uh, what is now the most important message of the Conversations with God series? Your life is not about you. I asked God that. I said, God, if you had one sentence, one message that you really want to leave me with when all is said and done, what would it be? And he said, Neil, it's very simple. Take this down. Your life is not about you. It's about everyone who's like you touch and the way in which you touch it. And was that the biggest surprise in writing this book, or was did, were there any other big takeaways? Oh, there were huge takeaways every other page. 
Actually, you know, it brings up a question that I've had is, you know, we've got some religious texts that have some meaningful content, but it just feels like we're we're evolving. We need we need a new message. We need the messages that you are bringing. And so what is the place of these old religious texts with the work that that say, for example, you are bringing into the world that's waking us up to a new way of being? We should continue to honor them. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing inaccurate so much. Uh, as simply incomplete. All I've been saying to people is this is not about throwing out uh, our traditional religions, throwing out our previous ideas of spirituality. It's about expanding them. We, we, are, we have been, as children, who have learned to add and subtract in the fourth or fifth or sixth grade. We've learned addition and subtraction, and we think that's all there is to mathematics. Hmm. But in fact, there's more. There's multiplication, there's long division, there's trigonometry, there, there's advanced mathematics, and we are that way with regard to our beliefs. So it's not our beliefs that have been given us by the wonderful scriptures and textures of the world's great religions. Not that they're so inaccurate, they're simply incomplete. There's, is it possible that there's something we don't fully understand here about God and about life, the understanding of which would change everything? Mm-hmm. Let that be our question of the day. Yes, and be open to the answer. Um, and, you know, as we wrap up here, Neil, I just want to read one final quote from the book. Um, Remember always that a leader is not one who says, follow me. A leader is one who says, I'll go first. And I just want to extend that to our listeners. Um, I think many of our listeners here at KKNW will be the self-selecting ones who want to go first. Um, Neil, we've got just about a minute left. Is there a final message you want to send our listeners away with as they go into their weekends, as they want to be leaders in this awakening of the species? Allow yourself to follow the impulse of your soul. Choose to be one of those. Do not deny the possibility that one person could, in fact, have a huge effect, a a ripple-in-the-water effect on hundreds, thousands, perhaps even millions of others. So allow yourself to say, you know what, I am one of the self-selected, and then go to www.ihaveselfselected.com. Yes. And now as we wrap up our show, I just want to thank you so much, Neil Donald Walsh, for being here on Sunny in Seattle to discuss book four, Awaken the Species, the final book, or so we, maybe, maybe the final book in the Conversations with God series. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Sunny. It's been a delight to be here, and I appreciate it more than I can tell you. Thank you. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. This is Sunny Joy signing off.